28, you know, is the scripture that we've been going from. It says, Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Does anybody need rest in their souls? You know, in case, you know, you wonder what is a soul, your soul is, you know, it's a part of you. It's, it's, it's your personality. It's your, your mind, your will, and emotions. And, and I'll tell you, if there's a place I get wore down in life, it would be my soul. You know, my spirit is getting renewed day by day. I'm, I mean, I'm alive on the inside, and I'm full of life, and I'm connected to God. But sometimes I have to tell my soul how to think. I have to sell, say, soul, now you, you, you listen up. We're not going to go down this trail. We're going we're gonna to follow Jesus. We're going to keep our eyes fixed. And Jesus said, come to me, yoke up with me, and, and you're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, he says in verse 30, and my burden is light. So Jesus said that to us, to us. He said that to believers. He said that to everyone. But, you know, he knew what you'd be going through today. And, and, you know, on any given Sunday, you could go around and, and check with people in the congregation, and people are being, being faced with various trials and challenges in life. I mean, being a Christian does not mean that everything is just perfect in your life. You're perfect on the inside, but you're living in an imperfect world. You're living in a world that the devil, you know, is the small g god of, you know, and he, he's uh, creating all kinds of havoc in this world and chaos. And, and as Christians, we don't want to get sucked into that stuff. It's tempting. I tell you what, you know, I, I have to watch. I have to limit how much I watch what's going on in this world. I don't want to be totally, I don't want to be an ostrich. I don't know if they really do this, but you know what I mean. I don't want to stick my head in the sand. You know, and say, oh, la, 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 la. That's not the way to go, folks. As a matter of fact, you need to be aware of what's going on in the world so that you can pray. God's called you as a believer. And the things that, that do and don't happen, I tell you, there's, there's, there's something to be said about what a, what a Christian does in their prayer life. Okay? But the other side of it is I don't want to be pulled into this world system. I want to have my mind set on, on Jesus. I want, to, I want to have rest in my soul no matter what's going on around me. And I'll tell you a true testimony is when the world's, you know, uh, what should we say, doing like it's doing, and you can walk around and have peace. I'm telling you what, it's what the world is looking for. It is a testimony. It is a testimony. When everything is going great, even in your own life, in your own family, you know, that's one thing. But when there's chaos everywhere, Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. He knew that our minds could go bonkers living in this world. He knew that be, you know, I mean, Jesus, you know, he walked this earth as a man. He was tempted in every point, just like you and I. Yet he didn't sin. He didn't fall short of the mark. He stayed connected. I can't even in my imagination think about Jesus walking on the earth and being frazzed. You know what I mean? I, I don't see that because he knew how to connect. And that's something we can do. We can come to him. 
We can be restored in our minds. And, and don't misinterpret what I'm saying for being apathetic to the world. Do you understand me? That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you're going to really do something that's worthwhile, you stay connected to him. Let me read on. As I, I, I look at this text, and it says, come to me. You know, honestly, again, we're going to just do a one service on this, this but there's, there's just a number of things that, that stand out in this text, the directions to go, and really one of the first ones that came to me was the, the similarity to the terminology in Jeremiah 33.3. If you're not familiar, let me read this, or you can read it. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I'll answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me. Come to me. Call to me. You see, the Lord has given us an invitation. Do you ever get invited to a party or something that is, you know, just like seemed really elite? Seems like, wow, that's really cool. Maybe it was like, I remember as a kid, you know, somebody would have a birthday party and you'd get invited to it. And, and you know, wow, they're going to play baseball at the birthday party. How cool is that, man? I, I got invited. I got invited. I get to go. I get to eat the cake. Well, the Lord has invited you into his presence. He said, call unto me and I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't, you don't know. That's the kind of stuff he, he needs to show you. What, what, what do you mean great and mighty things that I don't know? Uh, well, when I'm walking through a trial here on this earth, I need him to show me the things that, that I don't know that I need to know. I believe that, you know, when we gather together, uh, you know, some of you heard me say this for years, it's not about what I say, it's not about what Pastor Stephen says, or about what even Johnny says. God bless you, Johnny. But it's, it's always about what the Holy Spirit says to you, even through people, okay? You see, because he'll speak things to your heart. Jeremiah 33, 3 stuff that you need to know, that you need to know. I don't know everybody's situation. I, I, I know a lot of them. And if I wasn't careful as a pastor, I'd be overwhelmed. I'd be rolling on the floor going, you know, I don't know what to do. But what I do know to do is when I hear the things that I hear about, is I call on to him. I call on to him. You know, um, can I just say this? You know, I, I know this was in my mind as we were worshiping today. It just, and I don't know where it would fit in my message best, so I just roll with it. But there's no one's prayers as powerful as yours when it comes to you. Now, now, let me go on another trail. I think it's important that we have people that can pray with us, that can stand with us. We do this every Sunday. We have people come up for prayer. I believe in that. I believe Jesus said, when two agree on earth touching anything, it shall be done for them by my Father who's in heaven. I believe that. 
But when you're going through a trial, your prayers speak volumes over your trial, over your life. Your prayers. You know, and I, I, I've had times in my life where I've called the 1-800-Schambach line. Does anybody know who Schambach is? Anyway, I've called the 1-800-Prayer line. We'll say it that way. I've had those times. But that doesn't mean that I, I, I get off the hook that I don't pray. Okay? That's in addition to me praying. You guys all out there this morning? Uh, you know, it's always a balance at this time of year, too, as to how, how warm we can have it in this sanctuary. Personally, as pastor, I never want it to be too cozy. You can blame me right now, okay? My wife, however, she wants to turn up the temp. Like, no, no. Bring a blanket. <laughs> what I'm telling you this morning, what I'm getting across, what my intent is, is to realize the, the access you have to the throne of grace. Do you hear me? The day we're living in, we need to be so aware that in every step we take, we can call on him. We can call on the Lord in, in, in this life. I, what, would, what, what would we do if we couldn't call on him? And Jesus says, come to me. Then in Jeremiah 3, 33, 3, it says, call unto me. And then the living Bible of that same verse says, ask me. And I'll tell you some remarkable secrets about what's going to happen here. I, I like that one. That's pretty good. Don't you think that's good? Remarkable secrets about what's going to happen here. You know, again, I think some of the biggest things he's going to show you when you pray are things that pertain to your life. Things that pertain to the situations that you're in. Things, secrets that you need to know to go forward in life. God's not holding back information. He's trying to get it to us, okay? This is a tremendous one, too. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, do you ever read the book of Revelation? Dane and I are reading the book of Revelation at night right now. And it's so, so interesting. You know, we read just a little portion every night and think about it and talk about it. And, and it's just so interesting to read, you know. And I, 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 you probably most of you know this, too. I don't, I'm not a, a Revelation scholar. But I'll tell you what, I read it. And I enjoy it. And this is a verse that I've always gone to. It says, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus is opening the door, to, or actually we're opening the door to Jesus for fellowship in this life. He's standing at the door knocking, and he's wanting to come in and hang with you. How good is that? How good is that? He didn't say that to pastors. He didn't say, well, pastors, you know, we know what you're going through. And, you know, if you knock or if I knock and you open the door, welcome in. No, he's saying it to everybody. He didn't just say it to, to new Christians or old Christians or, 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 or people that seem to do everything right. No, he said it to everybody. Man, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you'll just open the door, I'll come in and hang with you. How come he's looking for times of fellowship with you? Just to hang out. You know, you hang out with him, and I tell you what, his presence just kind of saturates you. It'll change you. You out there this morning? Yeah. Psalm 34, verse 15, it says this. This is just a, a winner here, too. It says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open 
to their cry. Now, if you don't know this, if you're a believer, if you've asked Jesus into your heart, I don't care if you did it this morning during praise and worship, you're 100% righteous. Righteousness means you're accepted by God. It means that, that you know, I'm talking about who you really are. The real you is, is made absolutely right and acceptable by him. You're not going to get any more righteous when you get to heaven as you are right now because it's all about what Jesus did for you. It's not about what you did for him. It's about what he did for you. All right, can I say all that? I say that too because I want you to know God's eyes are on you and his ears are open to your, to your cry, to your prayer. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. But verse 17 says, but the righteous cry out, the Lord hears and delivers them out of trouble. He's a deliverer. He's a deliverer. In Hebrews 10, 19, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about coming into his presence. We're talking about getting the things in our life over into his hands, okay? You know, I, I, I just this week, I know, you know, we had a, a day, maybe it was a day or two ago, that we got bombarded with some, some cares coming at us, Dane and I. You know, you, ever, you never had that, right? You never had life come at you and you're like, ah, you know, and you can just physically feel, you know, your, your juice being drained from you and you're like, ah, you know, and even though you know all this stuff, you know, you preached all this stuff for 40 years, I'm telling you what, you still got to live it. It's, you know, it's like the dreaded words that come to me, all right, pastor, now you got to practice what you preach, you know, I have to practice it too. So I get all these cares were coming at us, and, you know, and it's me and, and my wife, and I'm like, okay, we, you know what the, 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 the goal is at that point? Is to get the cares that are on me over onto him. To get them over onto him. So, you know what he wants you to be? He wants you to be carefree. And again, that doesn't mean you're apathetic. It doesn't mean you don't, you're not concerned about people, but it means that you're getting this stuff over into his hands where he can do something about it instead of holding it on to me, to me you know, thinking I can, there's this, this damaging thought that thinks I can do something, I can make something different here, I can, I got the answer, I can, what I do is going to, the biggest thing you can do is get the care over onto him. And it's, it's tricky because you, you think you got it over there and you walk away and it tries to come back on you. Well, you just need to keep pressing. You know, I think old-time Pentecostal people would say this phrase. They'd say, I prayed through. I prayed through. Did anybody ever hear that, that terminology? And I got to be real with you. You know, I grew up in, in, in an era where it was like the word of faith. You know, as far as, you know, and I, and I was like, well, all I need to do is say Jesus and I'm through. You know what? That's the truth. All you do need to do is say Jesus and I'm through. But sometimes, you know, I got to bring all of me through. <laughs> I got to pick me up and get over to the other side. And sometimes I'm a chore. Sometimes, you know, I'm not so pretty. I'm not so perfect. Sometimes it takes time to get me over to the place I need to be. You see, he said, call unto me, 
and I'll answer you. And I'll show you great things, secret things even, that you don't know, but you need to know. You see, we need to know things in this life. We need to know how to navigate, you know, the good days and the bad. Hebrews 10, 19, did I read that? It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. The way has been made. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. Never underestimate the power of Jesus' blood that was shed for you. His blood, I'm telling you, in the spirit realm, it speaks loudly. Do you hear me? We need to know the power of that blood. Sometimes, you know, Dan and I take communion often at home. And it's kind of our way of just having that connection. I, you know, it's what God showed us to do. And, and, and so we talk about the blood every, every night. And, and uh, I, I told Dana the other day, I said, what I see when we hold up the blood, we hold up the cup, you know, we don't really drink blood, okay? But, you know, you know hold up the cup and, and it's representing Jesus' blood. Many times I get the picture of... of uh, the children of Israel, when the blood was put over their doorstep. Remember that? How many saw the movie? Well, anyway, I mean, I mean, thank God. Thank God for something, you know, put on screen that, that gives me something to put my, my, my spiritual imagination to. But they put the blood over the doorsteps in, in, in the book of Exodus, and death passed by, and they were safe under the blood. So I think, man... I think of that when the blood is over our lives. I think, wow, there's a place of protection. There's a place of wholeness. And in Hebrews, it says, by that blood, we have the ability to enter boldly into his presence. Into his presence. He's called you to come to pray. You know, and the thought could be, oh, who am I to come and pray? I'm so unworthy. No, you're not. That is a lie. Because you may not have done everything right. Hello? I certainly have not, but Jesus did. And I'm not coming on what I did. I'm, I'm coming on what he did for me, and I'm standing because of the power of his blood, the power of his sacrifice in my life. I can come boldly into the presence of God. Jesus told us in Matthew 7, he said, Ask, and it'll be given you. Seek, and you'll find Knock, and it'll be opened. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it'll be opened. You know why many people don't have prayers, so to speak, answered? Many times is because they've never really even asked. Duh. Whoa. What'd you say, Jesus? He said, ask. The, the K&L, Cleaston Lily version, I'm sure nobody has that with them right now today, but, but anyway... It says, in fact, only, only he who asks receives, and only he who seeks finds. Only he who knocks will gain admission. You know, I never found God until, you know, I'm sure he was coming after me, but it was when I started seeking him. You know, it was like he moved. It's like playing, you know, life with God is like a checker game. That's as far as I go. I haven't mastered chess, but I, I've, I've played checkers before. You know, at that restaurant that has the big checkerboards out front while you're waiting for your food to be ready. Anyway, but checkers, the, the basics of checkers is this. Your opponent moves, and then you move. Did you get that this morning? Did you write that down? He moves, then I move. 
Then, then he moves in, I move again, he moves, I move. You see, there's, there's, a, there's an order to things. God's already moved. Most of the time, he's waiting for us to move. He's waiting for us to move. Move into his presence. Move, you know, uh, you know receive what he's done for you. Um, I got a few more verses in the same here. It says, uh, what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if you then, Jesus talking here, says, being evil or natural, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I think Jesus tells this just so we could see the heart of God. God is, is trying to get things to us, but we need to come to him. We need to call on to him. We need to come before him. You see, as a Christian, develop your prayer life, okay? Prayer is so simple. Don't make it hard. You know, I worked for Billy Graham for uh, quite a few years, and, and something Mr. Graham, Billy, would always say when, when people would get born again, you know, you'd be in a crusade, in a stadium, and people flood the altar, you know, Hundreds, thousands of people come forward to get saved, and Billy would always stand up there. I could give you my imitation of Billy. This is pretty much his stance. Or he'd be like, I mean, there's different poses he had. I could tell you a few of them. But Billy would always say these things. He'd say, listen, those of you who made a decision, he'd say, he'd say four things. He'd say, first of all, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Start with the New Testament that they gave you at Love Church. And then move on from there. <laughs> then he'd say, pray. And then he'd qualify that. And he'd say, prayer is simply talking to God. Prayer is simply, just like if you were to talk to your best friend on the phone, do that, only do it to God. You know? If you, don't, you, don't, you may not have FaceTime. You might just have a regular phone. You can't see the person you're talking to. Well, you know, actually, God is the original FaceTime. And he wants you to spend FaceTime with him. Do you guys ever use FaceTime? Any grandparents in the room? I use FaceTime every day with, with you know, my granddaughter out in Portland. We try to uh, sneak the grandson in. He's a little younger. He doesn't have quite as much dominion when it comes to the phone. And, and so there's always a little fight to just say hi to the grandson. But granddaughter's on there. And I, was, I was commenting the other day that she's gotten a lot you know, it had been a week. It's very unusual that there's been a week, but the, the Stephen and Kara were out there visiting, so they hadn't FaceTimed us in a week. And I was talking to granddaughter, and I said, wow, you're just getting so big, so big. You know what a week's like when it goes by with these little ones? You know, they change. I said, you're just getting so mature. And she says, yeah. She calls me Pops. She says, Pops, yeah, it won't be long. I'd probably be too old to FaceTime. I, that's what I did, too. I said, no! I said, look at me. Look how old I am, and I FaceTime. God's the original FaceTime. You're never too old. You're never too young. He wants to ha spend FaceTime with you. He wants to develop a relationship with you. Uh, the other two things that Billy Graham would say to people is, is one, uh, tell somebody what happened to you. And then the, the fourth thing he'd say is... Uh, Get in a church. And he'd qualify that by saying this, get in a church that teaches and preaches from the Bible. Yeah. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read on a little bit. I just wanted to go to this example, and I'm, and I'm going to close with this. Uh, in, in Genesis 18, I don't think I'll read it, but in Genesis 18, right around verse 17, it starts. Uh, there's a story in here about God and Abraham. And it, it, to me, it just illustrates the power that's in your hands to pray and negotiate things and in, in king, do kingdom business. John Wesley said it like this. He says, he says, it seems that God can do nothing on this earth except a man or woman prays. Isn't that an amazing statement? He said, God, you know, you think God can do anything. Well, he, he can, but he limits himself by his word. And he's given you and I authority on this earth. And your voice, your prayers open the door for God to do things that he wants to do. Do you ever think about it like that? So, so destruction was coming to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham had a personal investment there because he had a relative. Lot lived there in his family. And, and the Lord came to talk to Abraham about it before the destruction came and said, said, hey, you know. And Abraham said, hey, you know, would you spare the city if there were 50 righteous people in the city, seems like a reasonable request. But Abraham such boldness, had such boldness that he went to God like that and said, can we spare it for 50 people? And God said, yeah, we can do that. But you know what? The, tr the sad thing was is there wasn't even 50 good righteous people in the city. You know? you know what? There's a whole room full of righteous people right here. And you guys are preservation of this very town. Abraham, in his negotiation with God, he whittled it down piece by piece. I think he went to 45, then he went to 40, and down to 30. And finally, he got down to where he says, if there are 10 righteous, would you spare the city for 10 people? He stopped at 10. I don't know what would have happened if he'd have gone on and said, what if there were only five? It might have saved the whole city, but I don't, I don't know. But there, there, he got down to 10, and he stopped there. It wasn't enough, but what God did do is he took out the ones that were righteous before destruction came. And I read that, and I think, what a power there. This was in the Old Testament, okay? You're living in the New Covenant. You're living in the New Covenant. You're living in a place where Jesus said, come to me. What I'm telling you this morning is don't do life alone. Whatever you're going through in life today, you know, and if everything's great today, enjoy this day. In fact, come to him on this day and get charged up for the days ahead. Okay, but I'm telling you, whatever you're doing when you're going through this life, don't go through it alone. Don't try to carry the load by yourself. Prayer is the avenue that we get what's on us over onto him, and it allows supernatural things to happen in our lives and in our families. You out there? I'm going to close it, and... Uh, you coming up, Pastor Stephen? I'm skipping a lot of verses here. All right. In Revelation 5.8, this is just a picture to me. You know, prayer is joining forces with God to carry out his will on the earth. It's entering into vital contact with the Father around his throne to either fellowship or to get something changed in your life or, or in others. Prayer is, is learning how to enter his presence to visit or to transact kingdom business. Coming to him 
makes a huge difference. In Revelation, again, 5, verse 8, I love this little scene of the, 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 the curtain being pulled back and we see something going on in heaven. It says this, it says, When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And I think, wow, isn't that an interesting scenario? Somehow our prayers take on substance and they're noted in heaven. Did you know your prayers are that powerful? Did you know your prayers are that precious? That it's like it fills these bowls and, and there's like substance that these guys are carrying around and it's your prayers. I don't know, that kind of stirs me. Say, wow, I want to take my place. I want to walk through this life bringing God on the scene. Bringing God in for the change. Change is possible, folks. Starts in prayer.